Welcome back to the Holistic Mom Weight Loss Podcast. You are here today with me, Kristen Noriega, registered dietitian, mom of four, joined by Sydney Motzek. I'm a registered dietitian, ACSM exercise physiologist, mom of twins. Happy to be here. <laughs> Happy to be here. Today we're talking about meal timing for weight loss, hormone balance, and just supporting your overall health. We're going to look at what the research is saying, and it's going to challenge us as practitioners. We might be changing our recommendations for clients and ourselves. So buckle up. Let's dive in. Let's kick this off with a holistic mom weight loss truth bomb. Your weight is the last thing you need to worry about. Look, I get it. You want your body and energy back. You're anxious, stressed, sleep deprived, feeling unattractive and stretchy leggings that aren't quite stretchy enough. And it is a struggle to sift through all of the crunchy health advice out there. It feels overwhelming. <sighs> Deep breath, friend. I'm Kristen Noriega. As a registered dietitian, I've helped hundreds of women support their hormones, lose weight, and keep it off. We're going to get your hormones, gut, and body systems squared away. Once your body is working for you, the last piece of your health puzzle, your weight, is going to fall right where it's supposed to be. All right, friend, reheat your coffee, get ready to take some notes. It is time to thrive. All right, Sydney. Let's do something silly first. Tell me a fun fact about you. I've been crocheting since I was nine. You just don't seem like a crocheter to me. That is so funny. I know, but I love it. It gives me something to do with my hands at the end of the day when we're just sitting. Heck yeah. What's <laughs> the coolest thing you've ever crocheted? I made a Smurf for my friend's baby without a pattern. I just made a Smurf. That's pretty talented. It was pretty fun. And did it look like a Smurf? It did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give it a hat and everything. Awesome. What's a fun fact about you? Fun fact about me. I really like jumping on a trampoline with my kids. And sometimes I kick them off and jump by myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and could, trampoline time. Yeah, I could still throw some flips on it. And it's fun. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So... Now that that's out of the way, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about meal timing. Okay. This is super, super relevant because as we were prepping for this, we're looking at different research articles and I've been pouring over some client data recently. And even we're talking about one client and she's hit her weight loss plateau and Sydney and I are saying, well, this looks like the next step. So yeah. super relevant for pretty much everyone. No way to get around this. Meal timing. What do we mean by that, Sydney? Meal timing, we're talking about when in the day you start eating and when you stop eating and then kind of how your meals are spaced throughout the day. So if we're piggybacking off of last week's circadian rhythm episode, we can look at how circadian rhythm affects the way that your body craves meals and uses meals. Okay, let's recap. Circadian rhythm is that cycle of wake and sleep and all the changes that come with that. 
waking, rising, and going back to sleep and shutting down. So you said that the meal timing affects our circadian rhythm. What does that look like? What we see with research is that we want to have most of our calories earlier in the day. A lot of people are like, I don't have time for breakfast. I don't eat breakfast. You got to eat breakfast. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Eating breakfast can improve insulin sensitivity throughout the day. So people who eat breakfast are less likely to be insulin resistant and eventually diabetic. Mm -hmm. We also use carbohydrates better in the morning time. Meaning, again, we're not going to have such an insulin spike because our body is going to use it more, use the sugar more, so we don't need the insulin response. So our bodies are using carbohydrates better and more in the morning. Yep. So that's where we want to sort of shift any of our carbs, right? Mm -hmm. Earlier in the day. Earlier in the day. So if you were going to have like a croissant, it would be more beneficial for your body to eat that croissant in the morning as opposed to 9 p.m. at night. Right. Okay. So breakfast is important. It's not just something our parents lied to us about. No. They got this one right. (laughs) Thank God they got one thing right. (laughs) (laughs) No, my parents never listened to this. (laughs) No. I have family come out of the woodworks and they're like, oh, I heard you say this on that one episode. I'm like, oops. <laughs> you listen. Oh, not thing. To do that. <laughs> I love them all. Yeah. You guys, I have a huge family. Yeah. Okay. So I think you just said this. So I'm kind of shuttling this uh, section over to Sydney here because she brought these pieces to the episode. So the Greelin, you mentioned that, right? I didn't mention that. Oh, so, I thought you did. Ghrelin is your hunger hormone. And after you don't eat for a while, it basically just starts to increase at sort of a predictable, steady rate. And it gets high enough. And then you're like, gosh, I'm hungry. And you eat. And it responds to a meal and it goes back down. That is sort of interestingly higher in the evening, which I don't understand. <laughs> even though we want to have most of our calories earlier in the day. And I'm wondering if, because another thing that happens is later in the day, our bodies shift to a greater fat oxidation. So if you are going to have your meat or whatever sort of fattier meal, later in the day might be better to have that. And I don't know if that affects ghrelin to a greater degree to bring it back down for the night. Okay. And I think the important thing here is that we don't always have all the answers. We're working hard to figure them out and figure out what works best for client outcomes. And that's sort of like the beauty of it is you don't have to figure this out on your own. So you got us here on your, your team when you're working with us. And, you know, we're trying one thing and then the next thing and then the next thing. And the trickiest part about all of this is what works for one person isn't going to work for the next person. No works for the next person isn't going to work for on and on and on nutrition and health it has to be so personalized so it doesn't even do us any good to come out at this with blanket statements but still interesting yeah yeah and we're happy to dig into it i will speak for myself i'm happy to dig into any amount of research to find answers (laughs) 
I don't want to make Kristen <laughs> scour the internet for the answers. I will do that happily. <laughs> and she does. And I'll prompt us, shoot Sydney like some random questions. Can you find something about this? And she's like, you got any more context? No. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> go. <laughs> Just go. <laughs> okay, so let's pull it back to now. You said a lot about carbohydrates and insulin resistance. Mm. And so this is the piece that really is jumping out at me about meal timing because a lot of the clients who are coming to us, you know, we're all, everyone is um, typically a mom, has had a couple kids, used to be able to eat whatever whenever, not exercise necessarily, or maybe it was able to do it real easily before kids. And now after several years, however many years, things just are not adding up, even if the woman is able to get the movement back in, even if she's thinking she's been eating well. When we get the labs in, like a lot of times I'm seeing higher levels of fasting glucose and higher A1C. So that's like a picture of three-month blood sugar usage, I guess. But it's like a three-month picture here. So we're seeing levels that are higher, but not quite enough to flag a comment from a doctor. So they're just content that it says within normal limits. It doesn't ding high and it passes through their desk. No one says anything. And so we're seeing levels of glucose and insulin that are a little bit higher and are indicating that there might be some trouble processing the glucose through the body. And when there's a problem with that, our our body pumps out more insulin. It says, oh, let me work with this. Let me do this. Let me do this. And it just keeps shuttling insulin and insulin and insulin. And it becomes very problematic because then your body doesn't respond to it. So it's this whole slew of problems that we're seeing play out for for you. You're the exact person. The person listening here is the one where this is happening to your body. And the research that we have come across, it's I personally would say it's leaning towards tightening up meal timing if you're experiencing insulin resistance. And I'm going to also venture to say you likely are. Mm. So if you're dealing with insulin resistance, it's going to be more beneficial for you to tighten up meal timing. So I talked for nine years, Sydney. What would that tightening up kind of look like? It would mean devastatingly avoiding snacks a little bit probably Mm -hmm. so again really starting that eating breakfast starting with breakfast going till lunch without eating and then going till dinner without eating there are some studies that even show that two meals a day might be better but that's sort of they're comparing in these studies like one all the way up to eight meals a day and there are some slight differences here and there But yeah, just sort of avoiding snacks gives you a greater amount of time after a meal to clear everything out before you have another meal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so maybe skipping snacks and definitely looking at the space that the time between dinner and breakfast or your last intake at night, whatever that might be, a snack, beer, whatever it is, between the time of that last intake to breakfast. So Sydney already spelled out why it's important for us to have an adequate breakfast right off the bat. 
So if you want to have adequate time overnight, you might need to shuttle your dinner or your last snack, your last intake earlier in the evening so that you have adequate spacing overnight. And yeah. in addition to timing, you also have to think about the content of your meals. Because mm-hmm. if you're just giving yourself repeated carbohydrate loads, you're going to have greater insulin response every time. Yeah. In the fall, we had a really good episode on insulin resistance. So you might want to scroll back a few and listen to that. I don't think I'm making that up. I'm pretty sure we did that one. <laughs> I think that happened. You know, I wrote a blog post about it. Okay. I remember when that was. Oh, we should try to link to those in the show notes. Try being the keyword there, friends. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been also doing quite a bit of PCOS research just because it's sort of playing out for several of my one-to-one clients right now. And meal timing also seems to be super important for women dealing with PCOS. Those same women are also often dealing with insulin resistance as well as thyroid issues. So really important if you have PCOS, you want to probably get support and figure out what's going on with your body. Because I don't know if you guys realize this. I don't think we've said the word weight loss yet in this episode. So we intentionally save that to the end because as we're trying to convince you that you're not going to lose weight until everything else checks out. We don't want you to be mistaken about that at all. Like you have to do these other things in order to lose the weight. You can't snap your fingers like you could when you were 18, 19, whatever it was, and just eat less, move more. You have all these other confounding factors that have chronically developed over time. It's not what you did yesterday or two days ago. This is a long-term development of these situations in your body. So even before we get to weight loss, there's one more point, which is leaving adequate spacing between your meals, going in line with what Sydney was saying, is also important for your gut health because it allows the cleansing wave to adequately proceed throughout your gut. So that cleansing wave literally just like a tube of toothpaste, squeeze, 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 squeeze along the long, long, long digestive tract. And it shoves the food through, through the small intestine into your large intestine. So the adequate time between meals lets that happen more effectively. Okay. Now, maybe we can talk about weight loss or weight management. Is that what we're doing here? I guess. I don't know. How does it does it matter in the end? Like if someone found this podcast and they're like, I really want to lose the weight. Okay, I hear you on this other stuff. I don't know how the heck I'm supposed to do this other stuff. Maybe I'll book a call with you guys for free, see what we can do. Maybe I'll click the links below, see what you guys are all about. But ultimately, I just want to lose weight. What do I do? Does this apply? Yeah. So it goes again back to meal timing. And again, they've compared between one meal a day and eight meals a day. And the number of meals per day and the effect on weight loss, it seems like it's possible that fewer meals per day can lead to weight loss. Keeping your blood sugar under control can lead to weight loss and (laughs) just improved health. (laughs) 
overall. Reduced risk of all sorts of chronic diseases that we talk about every time we talk about your health and your food and your exercise. Yeah, for sure. So as we're trying to wrap our minds around this, because the research isn't solidly saying you must only eat three meals, you must only do this, because it's just not that clear. It's not that black and white. I guess our sort of summary here is that you want to address the other things first. Address your circadian rhythm. Go back and listen to last week's episode. Check your insulin resistance. Check your glucose tolerance. Look for another episode on that. I think November, if I'm not mistaken. Read or look at the links we share below, if we remember. <laughs> if you have PCOS, get you the support for your PCOS, all of the complications that are involved with that. Check your gut health. Go back, listen to the last episode, and I think the one before. We've been talking about that a lot. And then you'll probably start to see some weight loss happening, and you'll be pretty happy. Yeah. And so much healthier. So much healthier. Uh, I can't, I, I will never forget one of my professors in my undergrad. She was like, weight isn't the best indicator of your health. And all of us like 20 year olds were like, oh, that's stupid. Yeah, it is. Of course. Uh-huh. And then she was like, the skinniest people you will ever see ever are the sickest people in the hospital. They are dying from whatever disease is killing their body. And if you ask someone who's had cancer, they're going to also say the skinniest I ever was was by far the least healthy I ever was. So it can go both ways, large, small, whatever it is. Your weight can be a reflection of your health, but aiming for your weight as the goal, that's not the smart way to do it. Yeah. I was used to tell my personal training clients, I don't care how you look in a bathing suit. <laughs> I care more how you feel in it. But because they care, I'm obligated to care. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's about how you feel. And you can feel strong and have a whole ton of muscle and be really healthy and weigh 15 pounds more than you did mm -hmm. the last time you checked or whatever and be able to like actually swim a few laps in it yeah and actually throw your kids around the pool yeah not run out of breath lugging your umbrella and beach chair to the beach get there not <laughs> dripping in sweat and like yeah. enjoy yourself yeah okay well friends i hope this was interesting to you to recap the recommendations First of all, get your body squared away, then look at meal timing. That includes looking at your overnight fasting window, seeing if it's adequate. If you need some eyeballs on that, you know where to find us. Then once you've got that squared away, look at meals and trying to shuttle your food mostly to meal time instead of in between and all these small frequent meals. And as I say that, it makes me cringe because this is a recommendation I've given for so long. Small, frequent meals, small, frequent meals. But I'm not going to live with my head in the sand. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Cindy? Yeah. How are we serving people? How, what availability do we have right now? What's it look like? We've got room for group members. We've got room for one-to-one -one clients. 
if you don't know if you're interested in working with us, you can certainly schedule a free call. We'd love to chat with you. Yeah, those aren't scary. We're not going to like twist your arm and keep you on the phone and like try to get credit card information from her. It's super weird. Also not going to judge you. We're not there to be like, ooh, you shouldn't be doing that. You should not be doing that. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. Like, we're here to help you, friend. Yeah. <laughs> we'll tell you what maybe you should be doing and give you a yeah. boost. Yeah, give you a boost. Send you off in the right direction at a minimum. And maybe okay. we'll enough once or twice. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you guys for being here and go f- follow us on Instagram at weightloss.wellmom. Well, we have lots of fun over there. Leave a review if you haven't done that yet. I haven't asked for reviews in a long time. Sydney's been pulling the bulk of the weight around here. And if you've enjoyed that, let us know in the reviews. Uh, if you like these joint episodes, let us know in a review. You just click the little icon on your phone. It looks like a pencil. Type something up. Give us five stars. We would really appreciate it. So that's it. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next week. Before you go, I'm going to challenge you to share this episode with a friend or any episode that has been super meaningful for you. Imagine if you shared it with a friend and she shared it with a friend. And then we've changed the narrative of our generation and that of our children. Women who love their bodies and are treating them well. That is what you can do by sharing this episode. So you can click the little arrow button or take a screenshot and text it to your friends. It's going to have crazy, crazy impact. Are you with me? I hope so. Thanks for listening.